good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Cody Cuff, Henny Cutter Because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victors. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Kadagi, to all my friends and relatives in four directions, you're listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. We discuss local and national Native news and events, and as you know, Haley, Native issues are human issues, and human issues are Native issues. They are, Robert. This portion of the show is supported by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Hey, we have one more pair or I guess just two tickets left for the Guthrie Theater performance of For the People. This is an all-Native Native American play. This is happening tomorrow night, so this will be for the Thursday, October 19th performance at 7.30 p.m. This humorous performance dives into the culture of Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis. Call us right now at 952-946-6205 and either Brett or Pat back at the mothership will set you up with those tickets. Again, that number is 952-946-6205 for your chance to win uh, that pair of tickets tomorrow night at the Guthrie for the people. Yes, yes. We saw the play and it's excellent. We'll go back again. And rumor has it we'll have Wes Studi on as one of our guests here in the next, uh, in the near future. And so we're excited to have the Native American Academy Award winner on and talking about his career and also what's happening here in Minneapolis and the Twin Cities. Hey, we have a really important guest here uh, on today and we're really, really, really excited to have Senator Agard on, and she is a Democratic Senate leader, and it's Melissa Agard, a Democrat out of Madison, one of my all-time favorite cities in the world. Um, And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, her tour, her grassroots tour, and I just want to say a big hello and a who here from Native Ritz Radio. So good to see you. I'm thrilled to be able to spend some time with you guys talking about something that's super important to me, cannabis reform in Wisconsin um, and across the Midwest. Certainly, uh, we are not helping the Midwest as we continue falling backwards with our neighboring states. Uh, And I think we're going to touch on a lot of different topics. I'm excited about it. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, here in Minnesota, we just legalized it in, uh, we had uh, marijuana that medical marijuana, and we had our tribe, one of the tribes here, Red Lake, really uh, jump on it and really move. And I think uh, personally, you know, I don't use it. Um, I've been sober for 38 years, going to be 39 years here real soon. But it's also works really well in so many different ways in the community. Um, you know, whether it's mental health, whether it's uh, uh, cancer, whether there's all these things and it's used correctly, it's a medicine. And so the support that uh, I, I have in the state of Minnesota and, you know, uh, Ho-Chunk too, uh, being a tribal member, uh, it's legal in Illinois also. Um, so it's very important, and especially with fentanyl running around and all these things let's let's get right into it um and we're missing out on so many things uh in wisconsin uh senator let's talk about uh your mission in here and some of the good talking points about this yeah so i know that the most dangerous thing about cannabis in wisconsin is that it continues to be illegal um illinois and uh, michigan had adult responsible usage and Minnesota had medicinal usage for quite some time. It was a pretty restrictive medicinal bill. But then what we saw um, was through the legislature, there was an action that allowed edibles and um, beverages that are infused to be sold in Minnesota. And then just a few months ago, Minnesota became fully legal for responsible adult usage. So Wisconsin is an island of prohibition. And prohibition does not work. 
um, with any substance. It did not work with alcohol. Um, and there was a point in time where in Wisconsin, margarine was a prohibited subject. People would actually take orders from their friends and neighbors and drive to neighboring states to purchase margarine because after all, we are the dairy state. Um, and they would distribute the margarine um, to their friends and neighbors, breaking the law. And we are still the dairy state. People, I think, mostly prefer to eat butter in Wisconsin. But again, margarine, ha having it be a prohibited substance was not working. And when I first introduced this bill, it was a decade ago, there were only two states that had legalized for responsible adult usage. Um, so I was really at the front of this conversation. Um, and it was because people were reaching out to me as a state assembly representative at that time and sharing stories about how prohibition of cannabis in Wisconsin was harming our communities. And this wasn't a, a concerted effort. It wasn't a, an opportunity where people were coming together who had already organized. They were individual stories, whether people of color who were talking about how the racial disparities and cannabis-related arrests were harming them whether it was veterans who were able to receive relief from the cannabis plant, but in Wisconsin, they knew that they could be a felon for using that plant that grows out of the ground. Um, whether it was parents who have children with debilitating diseases that those children with similar diseases in other states were experiencing real relief and the parents wanted nothing more than for their children to be able to have access to that plant whether it was people who wanted to honor their own personal liberties and freedom in their own private homes and consume cannabis and be able um, to relax in the same way that people are choosing in Wisconsin um, to stop at local convenience stores and purchase the six pack or more of alcohol and drink that before they go to work tomorrow. And the stories are robust and I could go on and on for longer than we have here and continue sure. explaining why it is that prohibition is dangerous. And so I rolled up my sleeves and started working on a bill that would um, have responsible adult use policy in Wisconsin for folks over 21 and access for folks under the age of 21 um, and above also for medicinal relief um, to use the plant. We're here with Senate Democratic leader Melissa Agard, a Democrat out of Madison, Wisconsin, again, one of my all-time favorite cities in the world. Uh, we are talking about her tour, the grassroots tour, and I know here, and I'm, I'm, I imagine in Wisconsin, it's very similar. We had 70% uh, were for this, uh, this bill and this kind of a thing to tax it, decriminalize it. It's 2023. Absolutely. Um, and that's exactly what this bill would do is would tax and regulate cannabis for sale in the same way that we tax and regulate the sale of alcohol or tobacco um, in the state of Wisconsin. And it is a 70% approval rating. Seven out of 10 people support full legalization. Now, medicinal cannabis, it's even higher than that. But, you know, it's politicians that need to make that choice because in Wisconsin, we do not allow referendum questions on our ballots to change the direction of our laws. It has to go through the legislature. Um, and any policymaker, any elected senator or representative um, who wins their election with a 70% margin would be considered a landslide. And I'm not sure why it is that when it comes to policies, we see it in a different way. Um, we are more dangerous and we're less free um, and uh, we have less opportunity in Wisconsin because of prohibition. And I, despite the fact that 70% of the folks in Wisconsin, nearly 70% of the folks in Wisconsin support this bill, um, I haven't been able to get a hearing over 10 years. Wow. So I've embarked on the grassroots tour and I've yeah. stopped at dozens of cities across the state. I'll continue um, until the weather makes it a little bit tricky to navigate. Uh, meeting with people where they are, as opposed to bringing them to Madison, um, so that I can hear about people's dreams and hopes, concerns about cannabis, and make sure that we get this bill drafted in the best way possible. Well, we have a lot to talk about. And one of the things uh, after this break, uh, State Senator, I would really like to talk about uh, how healthy it would be to have this happen, because we have an epidemic here, fentanyl and things like that. And when it's controlled, um, you know, we won't have these overdoses and stuff. But hey, we're here with uh, Senate Democratic leader Melissa Agard, Democrat out of Wisconsin, and we're going to 
Be right back after this short break. Stay with us. Right on. Hey, listening to Native Ritz Radio. When we heal from our traumas. When we face our fears. Let go of our addictions. When we relearn our values. When we live our teachings. Respecting our elders. Cherishing and honoring our children. When we honor and take care of our spirit. There will be no room left for sexual violence. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Getting bus and train information in your language just got easier. Customers who call Metro Transit at 612-373-3333 are able to select language options at the start of the call. Access Next Trip, their automated real-time schedule information tool and other Metro Transit assistance by calling 612-373-3333. For more information about other transit informational tools, visit metrotransit.org slash tools. Back to school season is here. And while this is an exciting time for parents, kids, and educators, let's not forget how far we've come in our battle against COVID-19. We're in a better place, but COVID-19 is still here, and we need to continue to help protect our communities. With the flurry of new schedules and classrooms, let's not overlook the fundamentals of staying safe. Wash your hands regularly and watch for any symptoms like fever, chills, a cough, or shortness of breath. Should you or someone you know have COVID-19 symptoms, stay home and get tested. Find more tips on continuing to be safe at health.state.mn.us. Let's have this back-to-school season be a time of renewed commitment to our collective health and brighter future for our Native communities. Again, find more tips on continuing to be safe at health.state.mn.us. This message is brought to you in partnership with the Minnesota Department of Health. Hi, this is Representative Sharice Davids from Kansas. I'm Ho-Chunk, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Native American Community Clinic on Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis, honoring health and tradition. Yes, they do. Hey, we're here with uh, State Senator Agard, and we are talking about her tour, Grassroots Tour. And uh, I'd like to uh, just bring in the fact that, uh, not the fact, but just in the discussion that we have an issue here with fentanyl and what better way, and I mean, people are mixing marijuana with fentanyl now, and what better way to protect people is to legalize this, and I welcome back. Absolutely. So it's vitally important that we make sure that everyone in our communities is as safe as possible, and that's why regulation of cannabis is the right thing. Um, it's a safety issue. Um, not only would we be able to address racial disparities um, that exist because of prohibition, Um, But we also know that there is a very successful illicit market of cannabis um, Mm -hmm. and of other substances. And, you know, oftentimes people will say, why do you want to introduce a new substance? Well, I'm not introducing something new. Actually, cannabis has been found in the tombs um, of pharaohs in in Egypt. It is something that uh, has been on this earth for a very long time and that human beings have... Um, had a relationship with. It's only over the last hundred years or so that it's become more taboo and we need to crawl ourselves out of that hole. Um, I lost a brother to fentanyl poisoning and I know that that is not a unique story. There are empty chairs and broken hearts across our nation because of the fentanyl and opioid um, epidemic. And folks that are distributing illicit substances, including cannabis, are oftentimes distributing other illicit substances fentanyl and um and and the such and we need to make sure that folks are safe and with regulated legal sales of cannabis we will be able to make sure that there are not pesticides that there's not mold that there's not fentanyl that it's labeled there's truth in labeling in the same way when you buy alcohol it tells you what the proof is the science is there um and it is highly regulated in legal states where you have to show your id multiple times and there's an educated person selling it to you. We're on the illicit market. Kids um, and adults are accessing uncontrolled 
substances, and it can be very, very harmful to our communities as well as the consumers. I know Minnesota, uh, their bill is over 300 pages, maybe even more than that uh, long. And so there's been intensive uh, scrutiny on this. And uh, I I imagine, too, you've been able to see see that bill, State Senator, that it's just not a wishy-washy, let's legalize this and have a good old time. There's uh, restrictions, like you said, uh, age restrictions and uh, where you can do it and things like that. How has uh, your tour been? And I see you've been in Madison, Superior, Wisconsin, Fond du Lac, and Sheboygan. Uh, how has your tour been, and uh, how's the response been? Like before that, I was in um, Platteville and Green Bay and Eau Claire. I've been in La Crosse, Milwaukee, um, Wauwatosa. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting other communities as well. And frankly, it is clear that people have questions. They want to make sure that we're doing this in a thoughtful way, that we're providing real protections for our communities, for our local governments, as well as for the people who live in Wisconsin and people who spend time in Wisconsin who may be choosing to go to a dispensary um, to purchase. But Prohibition isn't allowing us to do any of that. And the bill in Minnesota, as well as the legislation in Michigan and Illinois and the um, 20 other states, because there's 23 states that have legalized for responsible adult usage, those are pages and pages of protections that do not exist in states that have prohibition. Um, And when I point that out to people, when we're talking about education of youth and um, impaired driving, um, licensing, um, labeling, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. It is clear that we have been very thoughtful. Um, and when I was in um, Superior, I drove over to St. Paul and I sat down with advocates as well as lawmakers who were at the front lines of passing the bill in Minnesota. And, it, you know, we're asking the same questions that you all asked. And you had a very robust um, process. It lasted for a long time. It went through many committees. Lots of people stood up and put their feedback in. But frankly, no conversations um, were led with the fact that prohibition is safer. Exactly. We've had uh, the opportunity to have a lot of the leaders on our show. Uh, I know for many years, uh, uh, our our friend, uh, I can't think of her name or off the top of my head right now, but she uh, has been on our show a bunch of times and she's really led the way as a state representative here. And it passing was a huge thing. I know we had uh, the, at the signing, we had former, former governor, uh, Jesse Ventura uh, there. Uh, he was uh, really leading the way too, in many ways, his wife is using it for uh, medical purposes I, I just think that it's 2023 and uh, there's so many people, especially during the, the three strikes you're out, uh, that are in prison now for uh, things. And frankly, for me, being a, a Ho-Chunk, uh, it would be great to, for uh, economic development for our tribe and our nation to do something similar that uh, Red Lake's doing up north. Well, and Red Lake has been one of the... Um Front end people. I mean, they, they as soon as it was legal, uh, they opened up. And my understanding is I, I chatted with some folks that were there. The lines were long. They were selling out. They were um, figuring out how to collaborate with other people. Um, and they're really investing in the prosperity of their own people, their own community. And that's what government should do is make sure that we are safe, um, that everyone in our communities are safe, um, that is equitable, um, and that we're providing paths to prosperity. Um, and you know, that's what this bill does is it honors our own liberty. It provides more, more opportunity and um, money for um, reinvestment into our communities to make them be better, um, as well as uh, really lifts up the individual as well. And that to me feels very much like um, nonpartisan talking points. uh, And it's unfortunate that we get lost behind Um, party affiliation with these conversations. Um, But it's not a matter of if this is going to happen. It's a matter of when and what the details are and making sure that with the money that is raised um, from cannabis sales and um, licensing fees, that it's reinvested in the communities that have been harmed. So in our bill, we have community reinvestment funds so that um, communities 
like the First Nations, um, agricultural communities, um, women, uh, people of color are at the front lines of being able to be um, able to invest in the industry um, and to receive those funds to equalize harm that has been done um, in the state of Wisconsin. Right. And I, I want to uh, apologize to State Representative uh, Jessica Hansen for forgetting her name. Uh, she's a good friend of mine, but uh, what a forefront. Uh, really worked on it for the last seven, eight years, and she's uh, she's a doer. And I'm sure you've talked to her, uh, State Senator, about all the things that the hurdles. It is a matter of time that it's going to happen. And um, we need Wisconsin to jump on it because of all the, the economic development. And also, um, there's going to be in the bills, there's uh, here in Minnesota, there's help for people that uh, that need help, whether they're abusing alcohol or drugs or, or whatever. So let's get this done. What uh, I always like to, uh, Senator, is to get a, uh, a call to action. What can uh, people that are listening to the show, and especially we're on civic media all over Wisconsin here, we're on 20 other stations. What can they do uh, to, uh, what can they do? Can they call somebody? What what can uh, a call to action be or look like? Yeah, so, um, you know, if I'm coming to your town, please show up to one of the stops on the grassroots tour. We let people know about those on social media. So you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter um, to find out when our next stops are. Um, additionally, uh, we do have a, um, uh, a sign-on document at, that people can sign their names on and support. The, what we're asking for is for simply for a public hearing of this legislation. We're not even pushing anything more than that. So it will go to the leadership of the majority party in Wisconsin, asking them to allow us to have a public hearing. And people can find that sign-on petition on my office website. Uh, you can just Google Melissa Agard, Senator Melissa Agard, and that'll come up. Um, or um, you can find it also on our Facebook and our, our Twitter pages. Um, but ultimately, there's a lot of myths to overcome when it comes to cannabis. Um, people still seem to suffer from reefer madness. And I think that taking those myths out and being truth tellers is very, very important. Um, and really showing up for what your values are, number one um, thing that we can all do is vote in all elections and vote our values and our morals. Um, and have the backs of people who um, are putting themselves on the line. And if you've never thought about running for office, um, whether it's cannabis or um, domestic violence, sexual assault, uh, healthcare, whatever it is, uh, please think about running for office. We need more good people, passionate people to run for office and add their voices in our Capitol buildings. Well, I want to say a big peeny geeky thank you for coming on our show. I hope we can make this more, more frequently and more often seeing that we have a lot of listeners in Wisconsin and also the good work that you're doing. State Senator Melissa Agard of Democrat out of Madison, one of my, again, favorite cities in the world. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, one more time for your website so we can get people a plan to action here. Uh, so just go to send.agard at legis.wi.gov um, and you will find us. Um, and it has been an honor to be on the show today. I look forward to coming back um, and continuing to chat with you about how it is that we make this world more compassionate um, and equitable for everyone. Absolutely. Pina Gigi, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, really, uh, our pleasure all the way, really. So, hey, you're listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake and Up Next. We're talking a little moments count, so we'll be... Uh, rocking and rolling very soon with that. We'll be right back after this short break. Stay with us. Minnesotans age 65 plus might qualify for Health Partners Minnesota Senior Health Options. The plan includes personal support, coverage for medical prescription drugs and dental, plus over 30 extra benefits. Eligibility information is available at healthpartners.com slash one plan. Health Partners is a health plan that contracts with both Medicare and the Minnesota Medical Assistance Medicaid program to provide benefits of both programs to enrollees. Enrollment in Health Partners depends on contract renewal. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States. And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. 
Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's Let's live and and let howl. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and Strong Hearts Native Helpline is here to help. If you are experiencing domestic or sexual violence, Strong Hearts advocates provide culturally appropriate support and advocacy for Native Americans and Alaska Natives. Free, confidential, anonymous, 24-7. Strong Hearts advocates are Native American and take a Native-centered approach to every contact. Call or text 1-844-762-8483. That's 1-844-7-NATIVE. Or chat online at www.strongheartshelpline.org. Boujou, hello. My name is Wabin. I am an enrolled member of the White Earth Nation, descendant of the Navajo Nation, and co-chair of the Indigenous Employee Resource Group with the Minnesota Department of Transportation. MnDOT is hiring for a variety of positions from road maintenance to accounting and more. We offer great benefits. For more information or to set up a one-on-one resume and application assistance, visit mn.gov slash careers or you can text or call 612-257-2388. 612-257-2388. In this critical time for Indian country, voting is crucial to protecting the land, water, and communities. Voting creates collective power in securing our planet's future amid climate chaos. Engage in personal conversations with loved ones to ensure they are making informed voting choices. Register to vote. And don't forget that 16- and 17-year-olds can pre-register to vote in Minnesota. NACTI is asking us to stand together and make voting a tradition. Go to NACTI.org to learn more and make your pledge to vote. October's Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and Strong Hearts Native Helpline is here to help. If you are experiencing domestic or sexual violence, Strong Hearts advocates provide culturally appropriate support and advocacy for Native Americans and Alaska Natives. Free, confidential, anonymous, 24-7. Strong Hearts advocates are Native American and take a Native-centered approach to every contact. Call or text 1-844-762-8483. That's 1-844-7-NATIVE. Or chat online at www.strongheartshelpline.org. Think your company's safe? Your staff is working from home, right? As I speak, cyber criminals are mounting attacks across the country. Remember, when we're weakest, cyber criminals attack. Hi, Mark Sommerfeld from Rymark. The Rymark team is guiding our clients through these difficult times. In fact, demand has been so high, we created an easy-to-follow guide. It's yours free. Download our five steps to securely work from home now at rymarkit.com or call 651-328-8900 for a no-cost how-to discussion. With a look at your AM 950 weather, I'm Patrick Lilia. A chance of rain tonight with a low of 48th and cloudy Thursday with a high of 59. The nights are getting colder, but the music is still the hottest at Crooner's Supper Club in Fridley. Crooner's is located just north of I-694 off Highway 65 and Moorlake Drive. View their upcoming music schedules and food menus at croonersloungemn.com. You're listening to Native Roots Radio. This is Spirit from Reservation Dogs. Get up and listen. Welcome back to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Little Moments Count. Native Ritz Radio is excited to be partnering with Little Moments Count to host conversations focused on early childhood development, where we welcome monthly guests to talk about how they view the role of early childhood development in creating bright futures and strong communities. For more information, you can visit littlemomentscount.org. Wow, we uh, really enjoy our conversation with uh, Little Moments, and uh, it's been we've been partnering with them for a couple of years now, and uh, really excited. We have a a young warrior here, uh, Justice uh, Broken Rope, and uh, he is going to be talking a little bit about uh, the Wahopi uh, school that he's working at, and uh, we have a a grip of questions for you, uh, Justice. So I hope you're ready. Ho, oh, welcome. Uh, thanks for having me today, Robert Haley. Right on. Hey, uh, tell us about the, the, the school and about uh, uh, what's going on there with the Language Nest and its mission and uh, talking about Dakota language. Yeah, so we started last year was our pilot year. Um, I'm the assistant teacher. Uh, in a Dakota language immersion preschool classroom. So 
uh, in this classroom, for those who aren't familiar with the immersion settings, uh, we don't speak anything but Dakota. Uh, we have, right now we have two to five-year-olds. We have 11 students enrolled in the class. Um, last year we started with five, so we jumped up quite a bit. Um, the lead teacher in the classroom is Brenda Toscano Whiteface. She's the first speaker, um, which we're really grateful to have. And um, yeah, we're going strong. We're about a year, not quite a year and a half into it, but enrollments increased and um, seeing great results from the kids. Yeah, it's exciting because uh, the young ones can uh, learn quicker than uh, us old ones. And the revitalization is so, so important to keep uh, us being natives in the next generations to come. So I, I just applaud what you're doing. I know it's huge all over Turtle Island with uh, tribes really trying to pick it up because I feel like we've lost a couple generations, my generation and the generation before with boarding schools and all these things that uh, have really tried to erase us. So I just applaud, applaud you and uh, you working with these young ones. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same for me where I only grew up with a handful of my language. I'm Lakota from Rosebud, and so we had a few words here and there in the house, but I didn't have an opportunity like this when I was a young one. And so to be a part of this now is is a really big thing and a really moving thing and really special in so many ways. Yeah, we can't talk about it enough, and I think, uh, I believe, you know, the last 10, 15 years, especially our, our young ones and our teens and people maybe your age are really stepping up to the plate. And that's been exciting for me to, to watch and see and experience too secondhand because we've lost our language. I mean, uh, our family, but yet we as Ho-Chunks, I believe we're down to 60 uh, intimate speakers. And that's that's a red alert. That's We need to, to, to pull to pull this out. So talk to, uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, how do you engage the family too, not only the young ones, but the, they have to bring that home with them too. Yeah, you said it right there. Um, you know, when you're at school for eight hours a day, obviously we're staying in the language, everything's going down in that manner, but you know, we don't have the kids those other 16 hours, obviously. And with the exception of two families, uh, none of the other families uh, speak Dakota as a first language at home uh, with their children or the rest of their family. And so something um, in, in language revitalization, particularly indigenous language revitalization, uh, the Maori and the Hawaiians are really the ones who um, put forth these really good models. Uh, I think roughly like 20 to 30 years ago, they were kind of figuring out what worked, what didn't work. And... Um, kind of hammered out the methods that need to happen in this sort of work. And uh, something that we pulled from that and what we learned from them was that they had parent education classes. And so when our pilot year started last year, that would just be on a Wednesday evening uh, during pickup. Uh, when the families would come to pick up their kids, uh, the parents would come over and we would ha have a class for them where we would kind of review what we were doing with the kids in class. And so they could bring some of that language home. You know, how do you say, oh, like, put on your coat, you know, like, brush your teeth, things like that, that um, they're just simple phrases a lot of the time. And for our language, it's it's one word sometimes. Um, right. And so, you know, things that you can just embrace at home really quickly uh, to get more language acquisition there as well is really vital. And so hopefully we get to a point where we can have more of those parent classes. And there are other Dakota language opportunities in the Twin Cities, obviously. But, um, yeah, that's kind of one of the big components of this is making sure the parents are able to um, embrace the language and use it outside of the classroom with their kids. Yeah, it is really important. So the uh, the nest enrolls Dakota families and their uh, those affiliated with the University of Minnesota community, uh, but it also aims to enroll families committed to language revitalization, uh, regard, regardless of financial resources. How do you ensure in, uh, that everyone can be uh, and have access to this? Yeah, so uh, right now our cap is at 12 students. Um, we have 11 currently. Uh, three of those kids are belong to the same, they're siblings. So we have eight different families and only one of them is non-Dakota or Lakota. And so 
Uh, we're not at cap yet, but obviously our priority is to give Dakota and Lakota families or to give those families priority in this program. And then beyond that, we have scholarships available um, for tuition at the school. And so we've done our best to make it accessible for everyone. And I think based off last year, our pilot year starting with only four families um, and jumping now to eight, things have been going pretty strong in that regard. Yes, there is a, a, a revitalization and uh, it's great, I think, that we're talking about this and, and getting the, the word out. Haley, I, I noticed that you're listening intently. Do you have any, have any questions? Uh, because uh, this is a, a family affair here. Yeah, well, I just want to say language is so hard to learn, especially as the older you get. And I've definitely had my fair share of struggle with it. But so uh, just a big Pina Gigi, thank you for teaching these young ones uh, their language, especially uh, their cultural language. And yeah, I'm happy to see this uh, language program take off a bit more at the U of M. I, I didn't know about this before, so I'm really excited. And, you know, Robert and I are both alumni from the U of M. So uh, we, we really support this program and all the great work that that's going on over there. Oh, yeah. Right on. I, 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 the high school I taught at uh, taught Ojibwe and um, Lakota Dakota, um, but I like a, a good hoka hey every once in a while. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, right on. Yeah. Uh, so, it, so when you t can you talk a little bit about your teaching? So, if they're with young ones, is there games involved? Is there is there is fun things? How how do you uh, break the ice and and it's it, it's easier I, I imagine that it's an emergent school where everybody has to speak the language. Yeah, and so for me personally, it was kind of uh, I had just graduated from the U um, and studied Dakota there and went to like programs around the city. And so when the school popped up, the job was offered to me. And I had had a little bit of experience with early childhood, but had mostly taught adults. And so um, it was kind of nice going into this and uh, having a lot of really good mentors. Brenda, the teacher here, um, she, she's she been teaching early childhood for a long time. Sheila Williams-Ridge, one of the directors here at the school. Uh, for me personally, they really helped me engage uh, with children in a meaningful way in ways that I could understand and then apply kind of this uh, emergent curriculum and assisting with language acquisition. And so some of the things we do, I think you would see in a conventional preschool classroom, uh, you know, reading stories, uh, games, songs, a lot of that. Um, but then, you know, constantly maintaining uh, us ourselves in the language, just making certain that we're not breaking it. Um, but then also a focus at this school uh, is more of a nature-based curriculum. So we spend the majority of our day outside, uh, and we strive to do that throughout the whole year. Um, and that, that nature-based curriculum is really in line with uh, our indigenous perspectives, too, in the ways that we want to talk about the world around us and our relatives and nature and kind of embracing those ideas and then, you know, making sure that these kids are understanding that in a, in a good and safe space where they feel comfortable and then hearing it in the language as well. And so, yeah, it is, it is a lot of um, things that you would imagine you would do with two to five year olds. Um, but again, all in the language and then, you know, striving to kind of just like be outside as much as possible and see what they're interested in and the things that they want to talk about and how we can talk about it in the language. You know, I'd like to hear some of the obstacles. One of the things I was thinking as you were talking is uh, being a former teacher, it was 10 months with the kids and then we wouldn't see them in the summer, but that's got to be hard for uh, a language learner. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, regarding obstacles, I mean, that's a huge one. Uh, there are things you can do over the summer, um, but that being said, not a lot of them are catered towards early childhood most of the time. They're more towards people around our ages. And so uh, finding ways that kids can, you know, there's an organization, Dakota Yapio Kodakichie, which is DIO, that's based out of the uh, Twin Cities that organizes a lot of camps. Um, and those are where kids can go kind of hear languages. I've worked there. Brenda's worked there. Other Dakota teachers work there from time to time. And so 
um, there are opportunities, but yeah, it is, it is definitely a challenge. And that's kind of the key thing where it's like, we want to set these parents up to be able to speak more at home and more consistently. And we can see when that happens too. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, that's definitely an obstacle. Um, another one that I think is pretty well known across, uh, indigenous language revitalization in general is that we need more speakers, more learners, um, and more of those willing to be teachers. Uh, when you start learning your tribe's language, especially as a young person, there's an inherent pressure where everyone's like, well, you're going to go teach it. And so I think a lot of people get intimidated. Um, and, you know, maybe that's not their priority at that time or that that's not what they want to do. And that's OK. But uh, really, we just need more people, you know, learning as much as they can. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, there are certainly challenges. And, I, you know, I think Ho-Chunk, Ojibwe, uh, all the other groups in this area, can that resonates with them as well. Hey, can you hang with us for another segment and howl with us? We're going to howl for Howling for Wolves in the beginning of the segment. And uh, you're listening to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and we're here with Justice uh, Broken Rope, and we're going to talk more about language. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Getting bus and train information in your language just got easier. Customers who call Metro Transit at 612-373-3333 are able to select language options at the start of the call. Access Next Trip, their automated real-time schedule information tool and other Metro Transit assistance by calling 612-373-3333. For more information about other transit informational tools, visit metrotransit.org slash tools. Be a vaccinative. As the fall season continues, new COVID-19 variants threaten the health of not just you, but our elders as well. These new variants might even evade previous vaccines. That's why it's important to stay up to date. The newly authorized vaccines target current variants effectively and are FDA approved for ages six months and older. But there is an important note. These are the first COVID vaccines to be commercialized, which means there may be costs associated with them. Speak with your health insurer about your coverage before scheduling an appointment to avoid a surprise bill. For those without health insurance, help is available. Ask your health clinic about options or visit vaccines.gov for free locations. Getting vaccinated protects you from severe disease. Don't put yourself or elders at risk. So be a vaccinative and protect our community. You can visit vaccines.gov for free vaccine locations. This message is brought to you in partnership with the Minnesota Department of Health. The Guthrie Theater presents For the People, an irreverent new comedy born of the Twin Cities Native community. In the play, April Dakota dreams of opening a wellness center on Franklin Avenue to serve the Native community. She's counting on a grant to make it happen, but when her presentation goes sideways, she's forced to make a decision that puts the community and her culture at risk. On stage now through November 12th. Tickets at GuthrieTheater.org. That's through November 12th. GuthrieTheater.org. Hi, I'm Jane Fonda, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. How? Right, huh? Justice, uh, you, we didn't have to beg you. That was a good one. That was a good howl. I'll, I'll take any <laughs> chance I can. Yeah, exactly. Hey, uh, we're here with uh, Justice uh, Broken Rope, and uh, we're talking about uh, Wahopi uh, Language Nest, and it's a Dakota Emergent School preschool a classroom located within the University of Minnesota Childhood Development Laboratory School. So we're really excited um, to talk to you about these things that really are important to us as Native Americans and also our allies that are, are listening to us and uh, want to support us. Uh, before I, I get on with my questions, um, what is the one thing that you would like to say about the school and about, about um, your work? And uh, I know you've learned the language, you weren't brought up with it. Uh, talk to our audience and, and tell them from your, from your heart uh, 
how important this is for you and and our communities yeah i think um you know some of the things i kind of mentioned earlier in terms of i didn't grow up with the language i i started learning it kind of without meaning to a couple years back and then you know realized this is where i wanted to be and what made sense at this point in my life right now and um i just hope that other other young people and um maybe parents, folks who uh, have that opportunity or it's successful to can try and engage with it. Um, I know in some ways it can be a privilege. Going to the university is a privilege. Like a lot of these things are really difficult to obtain um, depending on your circumstances. And so, you know, I, I don't consider myself a fluent or advanced speaker. I still think of myself as an intermediate, even though I've been learning for five years. But that's the thing is with our, our cultural ways, our language, we're always learning. And so, you know, this is something I hope that um, other people here in this or younger students can can maybe uh, think about is just uh, picking up some of your language, even if you don't want to be a teacher, even if you don't think you can do it right now, just doing your best to, to retain some of those things and pass it on for these future generations, because that's why we're doing this is so we can bring back the language, revitalize it. Uh, and, you know, hopefully some of us raise our children in it and create new first speakers. I can never be a first speaker. So many people can never be a first speaker, but we have the opportunity right now to create them. And so um, that's kind of the thing, you know, and why I'm here is I, I, want, I envision a place someday where I only hear Dakota or Lakota uh, and being able to hear that in the Twin Cities even or, or something like that. Um, would show me that this works and that this is why we're doing this and why it's important. A friend of mine, uh, Barry Hand, uh, I, you know, when I was trying to get into my, uh, my uh, Ho-Chunk language, he suggested, uh, and he used to work at Harding High School when I worked there, uh, he suggested using a word, and I don't know how frequent, but he said replace it. Don't ever say it in English again. And I thought, wow, that's a really uh, unique, I haven't done that, but that's a really unique uh way to look at that and very doable i know we talk in um statements or more than one words like hey kudagi uh choka you know that's just greeting my grandfather for instance um uh what 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 kind of tricks uh, can we use as adult language learners uh just off the top of your head yeah um there's some that feel kind of uh obvious i think when you start learning a language is like one one thing that i was told is start labeling things in your house you know mm -hmm. then you get used to seeing those words or if you know how to read the orthographies or the way they're written you can start pronouncing them and even if you don't retain them in your head necessarily you're still going to see it visualize it and you get used to the visual if i have a cup or something like that or a mm -hmm. door like any of those things um but then I don't know. Everyone has different styles of learning, and it took me a while to figure out what worked best for me. But something fun that I've tried to do uh, in this era of so much streaming and media consumption, I do use subtitles a lot in English. And so I'm seeing the words, and I'll often try and translate a movie that I'm watching in Dakota or Lakota. Uh, and just kind of that's like fun for me. Or listening to mm -hmm. music. I've joked about the Ramones are one of my favorite bands, and their lyrics are very simple. And right. they're easy to translate. And so just any way that you consume media and ways that you can alter it to be in the target language that you're trying to learn, um, those are kind of like fun and helpful ways, in my opinion, to, to acquire that language. Yeah, I saw a, a young somebody, I don't know which language it is. I thought it was Lakota Dakota or, or Dakota that they, they did uh, voiceovers for a cartoon. Um, and that I was thinking, well, you could do that if you can do different voices. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. The Bernstein bears, uh, there's a whole season in Lakota. So yeah, yeah. Possible. Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, that's something to do. And, uh, I know a lot of, uh, my older relatives don't speak the language, but they can understand it which is kind of unique. They were brought up, their, their grandma would say words or speak in, uh, in their language, but they never went to the next uh, next step. So, yeah, that's really cool. So I, I just want to ask you, you know, what can our listeners and 
the broader community do to support uh, your school and uh, the the initiatives that are happening? What you know, and it's Waho P. You know, what what can people do to support that? Yeah, uh, supporting Wahokpi, um, there's a lot of different things. Uh, you know, again, to reiterate, looking for opportunities where you're from or where you're around to learn language. You know, the more that we have people we can talk to, uh, the more that language is alive and is around and you hear it, embrace it. Um, I don't have many people I can talk to day to day in Dakota or Lakota. Uh, and so you know, just again, getting a few words in here and there, trying to do as much as you can with the language. Um, for the school directly in a lot of ways, like so many things in Indian country, we're grant-based. And so uh, financial means, um, if you have those, like it's always something to consider. Um, yeah, and then just uh, acknowledging the land you're on and thinking about mm-hmm. where you're at, the space, uh, you know, this is a university that benefited from land grab. And so, you know, it's something to think about that we're bringing the language back to, to this land. The University of Minnesota is right on the river. And mm-hmm. so we think about that constantly with our kids, what we're doing. Uh, Dakota is being spoken here every day on this river and on this piece of land. And, uh, you know, that that's why these children are here and these children are sacred. And that's what we got to do. Wow, 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 wow. Good words. Good, good words. Uh well I think I think you should drop the microphone and uh and uh, <laughs> that was no, seriously, that's that's what we like to hear from our our uh language warriors and our young warriors, right, Haley? Absolutely. Yes. Yes, I caught caught you there, Haley, with uh your mic muted, but uh <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, the button was close, but I appreciate that. And uh, one lo- last words: uh, How can we uh, creep on you guys? Got a website or any kind of uh, Facebook uh, out there? Yeah, um, the the URL is kind of funky. It's lab-school.umn.edu/language-nest-program. But if you just uh, visit a uh, Dexi Google and type in, uh, <laughs> you know, Dakota immersion classroom or like twin cities dakota language nest it'll pop up uh first result and so that's kind of where you can find it um and then yeah if there are people you know looking for volunteer opportunities or wanting to participate in the parent language class um you know just reach out do is another good organization the founder of this program uh also works for that program and so that's uh, shashoka duta joe bendixson so there are different opportunities within the Twin Cities kind of um, where we're all interconnected. Uh, but, but yeah, um, that's our website, and that's kind of what we do here. So Right on. Hey, thank you so much, Big Peenigigi. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. If you're listening to the show, you're part of the resistance. We're still here. We are the seventh generation. Free Leonard Paltier. Now. Now.